Alternative Radio. Hello. If you're hearing my voice right now, then you have stumbled onto the podcast where real stories of professional criminal profilers are told by professional assholes. Welcome to Profiling Pain. What is going on, co-filers? Holy shit, it's been another month and a half since the last time I talked to you. And, uh, man, <clears throat> so outside of uh, my world, the, the rest of the world has actually just been falling the fuck apart from on the, uh, on the country level, on the worldwide level. There's been, there's been a lot of stuff going on. And I know, I know that I always say that this isn't a political podcast and blah, 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 but it, it's, we're, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna talk politics. It's bound to happen at this point. I mean, especially since this is uh, essentially a true crime podcast, I mean... What, I, what mass shootings, uh, child sex trafficking. Um, we're gonna get into Matt Gates, um, man. And if you guys are listening abroad and you guys are watching us, uh, us meaning the U.S., um, yeah, we're reopening. Look at that. You know, COVID is clearing, and there's a huge discussion that needs to happen in this country where we talk about what we view as normalcy. Um, mass shootings. Uh, Racial demonstrations, um, I mean, just, just, uh, racial, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, what is the word that I'm looking for here? Um, racially fueled attacks, um, and it's, it's so crazy to me because I'm, I'm 33 years old, all right? Um, and for as long as I can remember, my entire, like, close-knit group of friends and everybody that I, I mean, just, just in my personal life, it's, it's always been, uh, it's been a rainbow. I mean, we've just, we've always been from different backgrounds, different places, different cultures, different everything. And there's never been, I don't, I don't think that there's ever been any like conflict with that. Like it's always been like, oh, cool, man. You know, I, I remember one time specifically, uh, my, a friend of mine, Rocio, Rocio, who was actually on, on the show a couple episodes, um, her and my, and my, one of my best friends, Mahalo, uh, well, anyway, um, Rocio's dad, uh, Arturo, he speaks, uh, pretty much, all Spanish. He understands English and he knows how to speak some English and stuff like that. And I'm sure, I'm sure he probably knows a lot more than he lets on. But he uh, he was talking to, I believe, Rocio at the time. This is we're at like a barbecue or something at, at Mahal and Rocio's house. And my oldest kid, who at the time was, I think, five or six, hears Arturo speaking Spanish, walks up to him. And he's like, I know Spanish and goes, you know, and I pull him away. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, that is like, it's, it's adorable how completely wrong you are. That's not even remotely. That's, I'm not even sure that'd be considered gibberish. That's just clicking your tongue. I said, but you can't, you can't do that, buddy. It's not Spanish. And Arturo, he just, he just giggled. You know I mean? It's kind of like that boys will be boys saying he's, you know, he's, he's a little kid. Like it, it's always, you know, um, and I, I don't look at that as any any form of racism. I look at that as like wide-eyed innocence of a child who hears something that he's not familiar with and thinks that he knows it because, you know, even at five or six, my son thought he knew everything anyway. But it's definitely a a strange time uh, to be living in because I thought, I personally thought growing up that we had moved past all this. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there, uh, at least in, in this country, who think that, you know, true, real racism is dead. And I'm, I'm of that belief structure as well. Now, in, in certain isolated events, um, does it shine through more than it should? I, I believe so. But I've said for the longest time that I think that it's a class issue, not a race issue. Um, but who the fuck am I and what the fuck do I know, right? I mean, 
it's 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 I've made fun of people saying that perception is truth, experience is truth, but at the same time, I've never experienced it. I've never I've never had I've never perceived life in that way. But at the same time I've never been on the receiving end. So I can't really, you know, I, I joke about white privilege, like where's that at? Where can I get that can I get that on credit? You know what I mean? Like but um there, there is certainly a, a, a very in-depth conversation, and I, I, I believe in an identity crisis that this country is currently going through that we need to definitely resolve. And I think a lot of—we're uh, going to get into it, honestly. We've got—I'm um, talking about on this episode. Uh, there's been—I think I counted yesterday—just uh, under 30 mass shootings in the last two and a half weeks in this country. Like, the we, we opened back up after this fucking pandemic, and all of a sudden, I mean— f- there was a shooting at a FedEx distribution center. There was a shooting at a Walmart. There was, I mean, there was just a shooting at Wild Horse Pass, which is a casino um, in Arizona, uh, just the other Friday night. Um, over, I mean, it was a lovers' quarrel. I mean, it wasn't a mass shooting, but but still, the fact that um, I've spoken about guns, I've spoken that I believe you should be allowed to open carry. Um, I always talk about my brother-in-law's gun business, Abide Armory, and you should still be able to purchase firearms. I think that there is a necessity though um not so much just background checks but in the realm of uh like psyche valves you know like you can't go work at a nuke in the field that i work in i'm a construction worker i'm I'm a a union pipe fitter um i can't go work at a nuke and just weld some pipe without having a psyche you know a psyche valve like they have to do a full psychological you know, almost interrogation of me to make sure that I'm not going to go flip knobs or try to get into locations I'm not supposed to or do something stupid, you know, like, and I feel that maybe, maybe just a little bit, just a little bit, like, don't, don't take any guns from the people who are supposed to have them because the second amendment is just that it's our, it's, it's our second amendment. It's our right to bear arms. Like we, that's something that the entire country has agreed on multiple times. And now it's kind of getting more and more wavy because People are fucking shooting people. Um, I will say in Arizona, which is also where I live, don't fucking stalk me, all right? I'm giving you guys locations, all kinds of shit. I'm not going to give you my fucking address, so don't stalk me. But uh, in Arizona, we're an open carry state. And the only mass shooting, well, how do I put this? So even a drive-by can be considered a mass shooting. We've talked about this before, I believe, on the show. If not, I probably said it out loud to somebody else. But anyway, um, a mass shooting is defined as any more than four or more people. So four or more people who are essentially being, I don't even think they have to get shot. They just have to be shot at. So even a fucking drive-by can be considered a mass shooting, you know, and we're going to kind of, we're going to kind of go on the next few episodes. We're going to, we're going to hit every mass shooting that's happened that, that, that is like, God, I I feel so guilty, but like a valid mass shooting, like, because I think, especially this being essentially, I mean, half-ass anymore because we're covering all kinds of other shit now, but a profiling podcast, we need to figure out what the fuck i mean i you know i haven't quite looked up the number i mean i say look up the numbers fucking google it right i haven't quite seen googled or looked for the correlation between um the influx and the amount of social media users versus mass shootings now what i will say is that and we talked about it we talked about it on the show the mass shooting that we had at westgate in arizona where the kid pretty much was like i've never been laid and then he went fucking crazy with an ar-15 at westgate um that's the only real raw mass shooting that I know about. And then, we, you know, we had a freeway shooter and then we had the baseline killer. Like, I'm, I'm, I think I might dedicate one full maybe episode or maybe one full little mini series to just like 
shit that has gone down in Arizona because there's actually quite a quite a few things that have happened here that I don't think really reach mainstream mainstream news outside of local news, and I think that's true enough for for uh, every state, every country, every I mean fucking there's always some crazy shit that's happened where you're from I'm sure. Um, secondly, uh, first and foremost, before we start getting into any deep dives today. And this is actually a uh, side profile episode. We did the the Symbionese Liberation Army in the last episode, and I know that I was supposed to be doing side profiles. Well, this one's going to be about Spade Cooley. I actually found a really cool uh, uh, podcast episode that was never recorded, and if it was, I couldn't find it. Not of mine. Um, and I swear to you, I, I really hope I, I wrote down this guy's name. Just his depiction of the story and how he told it, and then I started Googling him and looking up his background and the guy that did the story that we're going to get into today, um, really, really talented, really talented, older gentleman. And I've been looking all over for any of his audio, and I haven't come across it. Maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. So I, I'm going to definitely, you know, 100% give credit uh, for this episode to, to, to what he was trying to produce. Um, I found it, though, all in like a really long um, word format. On a, on, a, on a website, and then when I tried to click the link to get to his podcast, I don't know if it's been shut down, I don't know if it just never happened, no audio file, I, I really don't know. And it's kind of a bummer, because I would have loved to have listened to it, because it was it was really well done. I mean, I, I enjoyed the story. And so, side profile, that's the music portion of this shit, so uh, this one's all about a country singer. So that'll be pretty interesting. But, um, I digress. So moving back, um, personal life is what I want to talk about right now. Um, so the reason it's been so long since I've recorded an episode and, and done anything is because you guys know that, that my wife was, was, uh, having a, having a fight with cancer and she made, she's, she's doing, she's doing great. That sounded like I was starting to set up for something really sad. But, um, last month we went out to Maryland and she had a full stomach removal. Um, turns out that they had found some stuff on her stomach and she was making, it was kind of making its way into actually, um, becoming full-on, full-fledged stomach cancer. I guess it was type 1B. Um, that She had what we thought was an ulcer, and then underneath the ulcer was actually uh, the beginning stages of a tumor. She had a couple uh, um, ring cell spots, so it was definitely moving in that direction. And so since her stomach removal, she's had to relearn how to eat and stuff like that, and it's it's been, it's you know, it's been a little bit of a... Uh, of a, uh, I mean, not so much for me, but definitely for her lifestyle change. But she's she's doing really good. She's she's figuring it out. Um, main things to stay away from is is sugar and too many carbs and anything really really heavy. So she's like on the keto diet, but only like two ounces at a time. So and if you guys don't know what keto is, it's what fat guys like me do because you can eat all the steak, bacon, and cheese that you want and lose weight. So that's how we lose weight. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then she's actually potentially looking at starting treatments again, even though we thought we were out of the woods of chemo. So that's kind of what's going on with our, our personal life. And and also, uh, I, I lost my stepmom um, fairly recently, too, uh, just before we got back from, or when, when I got back from Maryland and just before my wife did, uh, my stepmom passed away. And and my dad's kind of, not kind of, he's, he's, he's been going through hell with it. And so has definitely been a year of loss for a lot of people and we were fortunate enough for the majority of it to not experience any and um you know we we didn't quite didn't quite make it out of the full 365 without losing you know one of our own so um so to yaya you know i I love you very much and i miss you and i know my dad misses you like crazy uh 
but moving on. So that's that's what's going on in my personal life. That's why it's been so long in between episodes. All the other times it's been a long time is just me being a lazy piece of shit. But this time there was there was actually some stuff going on. Um, what else? So that's about it. So uh, Johnson and Johnson. I don't know if you guys have paid attention. This is obviously you're going to be able to timestamp this episode based off of that. Um, but Johnson and Johnson came out with their own vaccine, and then shortly after it got stopped. Now, this is my little conspiratorial thought process prior to starting this episode. So um, Pfizer and Moderna are able to move forward, even though people have had some adverse effects, uh, sick, I mean, feeling like dog shit for a few days. But, I mean, we all know that. That's how vaccines work. They put a little bit of it in your system, blah, blah, blah. But the way that Moderna and Pfizer work is that it's actually an mRNA. What an mRNA is. And I believe we talked about this also, is it adjusts the protein levels in your cells to help you fight off, blah, 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 blah. Well, Johnson Johnson was a one-off, just like when you get your measles, your fucking chicken pox, your hepatitis, your fucking TB. All, all your little shots that you get when you're a kid are one-offs, or sometimes you have to double down like a few years later. But um, it was a regular t- style of inoculation, whereas the mRNAs, Pfizer and Moderna were not. But... Out of 6.5 million people that have gotten the Johnson & Johnson, six women developed blood clots and one actually passed away from it. My thing is, if Pfizer and Moderna have shown different type, it's a totally different type of inoculation. It does totally different things to your body. Everybody who gets their second round of shots, not everybody, but a, 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 a good portion, um, have adverse effects. Not adverse effects, but they have like you know the common shit. Like when you get a flu shot, you get a little bit sick and whatever. Um, but Johnson Johnson's only really gotten hit with six little things out of 6.5 million. I mean, that's, that's a fraction of a percent and they shut it down. And to my knowledge, it's not, they're not reissuing it, but that's a one-off. That's how we used to do it. That's old school, right? That's how, that's how our vaccinations are supposed to be. But these other two are able to continue doing what they're doing, even though there's been all kinds of shit. Uh, so conspiracy wise, I'm like, Hmm, these two legitimately alter portions of your DNA to do something, whereas the other one is just like it used to be, and that's the one that gets stopped. But, you know, I digress. Johnson Johnson also has a cancer fucking uh, lawsuit against him and all kinds of shit, and I don't know. And thanks to the mRNAs with the Moderna and the Pfizer, though, however, the FDA has kind of cleared the way a little bit more for scientists to utilize mRNA for cancer vaccinations. So, I, I mean, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I would fucking love to hear of a cancer vaccination if the mrnas get us there that's awesome so that's about where we're at and as i said before now we're now we're getting into the goddamn episode so i missed you guys just letting you know you know it's cool to see that um, i'm still getting uh hitting the charts a little bit in sri lanka and turkey's still taking care of me and it's very good to see uh just you guys are still still kind of rolling with me and i i appreciate the hell of it so we're going to talk about matt gates first um, Matt Gates, I don't, we're going to get into who he is and what he's on trial for. I'm opening a drink right now. I'm going to take a sip. That's Dr. Pepper Cherry Zero. All right. So Matt Gates got busted for taking a 17 year old girl over state lines. Um, and we're, we're going to get into this right now. So the GOP's Matt Gates problem. It's tempting to see the Gates affair as the last shutter of the era of Donald Trump. Now, I did get this from CNN. I believe I got this from CNN. It was written by uh, Amy Davidson Storkin. 
So it is definitely going to be a very biased point of view, but Matt Gates is a piece of shit regardless. So anyway, <clears throat> the last era of Donald Trump, as I said, uh, but the political culture that the two men represent won't easily be swept away. So here we go. Uh, how did Representative Matt Gates get into so much trouble? Well, there are so many allegations surrounding the Florida Republican and the carnival-like crowd of characters around him that it's hard to know where to begin. So one place might be with a letter signed by a very concerned student and sent in the fall of 2019 to a private school in Florida accusing a music teacher there of sexually abusing a child. A Facebook account supposedly belonging to a very concerned teacher made similar charges. According to federal prosecutors, the accusations were fiction, and the author of both was a man named Joel Greenberg. He was then the tax collector of Seminole County, and he regularly partied with Gates. Partied with Gates. Now, I don't know if it's going to cover it in this article, but just so you guys know, Matt Gates asked Trump for a, what's the term here, a blanket um, pardon. Now, what a blanket pardon is, is like anybody under Trump's little, you know, regime at the time or, or whatever, he can just kind of pardon everybody. And Matt Gates asked for this before any of this ever came out, which to me sounds premeditated as shit. Um, I mean, it like I said, it's all speculation. I, I can say whatever the hell I want, but he, uh, yeah. You don't ask for a fucking blanket pardon unless you plan on doing something shady, right? Like, I know they say it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, but he asked for permission to be forgiven. It's, it's, anyway. So the ensuing investigation uncovered a wide array of questionable and uh, prosecutors allege illegal activities. So Greenberg has been indicted on dozens of counts from stalking the music teacher to uh, perpetrating an embezzlement scheme involving cryptocurrency to the trafficking for sex of a girl who was younger than 18. Investigators are reportedly focusing on whether Gates paid a 17-year-old girl, perhaps the same girl, to travel across state lines for sex. A related question is whether he or Greenberg used various apps to pay women for sex. Uh, Gates has denied the allegations. He also said that he was not a monk and certainly not a criminal. And that's kind of taken out of context. That was out of another, I mean, he was being questioned about something, but he, you know, that's, I, he, that's an isolated quote, but he's still a piece of shit. So anyway, uh, last Thursday, prosecutors uh, indicated that Greenberg would strike a plea deal. If he does, and if he cooperates, Gates should be a very concerned congressman. Uh, it's tempting to see that Gates' affair as the last shutter of the era of Donald Trump, which we already fucking covered. So, <sighs> Gates was elected to the House in 2016, the year that Trump won the White House. The congressman became a Trump favorite. He appeared with the president at rallies and took his cues from his uh, from him on social media, Fox News, both in tone and in targets, you know, blah, 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 blah. But as of last week, Trump had been relatively quiet about the investigation, but he denied a report that Gates had asked him for a pardon. The GOP's Gates problem, though, is about more than just picking up the pieces of a fallen presidency. The political culture that Trump and Gates represent won't easily be swept away because as much as Trump already had in place, it's made the edges sharper, all right? So, I mean, it's it's... As soon as Trump got kind of taken out of it, all his other little people that were super loyal have just gotten more and more aggressive, um, especially towards Biden, which that's that's a whole nother fucking episode. Biden, I man. Anyway, uh, so John Boner, 
the former Republican Speaker of the House, is an S, uh, is an sorry in an essay for Politico adopted from this week or adapted from uh, his new book, describes how the 2010 election brought to Congress a cohort of Republicans whose priorities were how to fundraise off of outrage or how they could get on Hannity that night. In other words, like, yes, Trump's out, but let's keep pushing the fucking narrative and see how far we can take this because, unfortunately, if you say we're trying to get Trump back, and I mean, there, people are going to donate money. So conspiracies and crusades essentially is what it boils down to. Um, Gates, who is 38, can be so extreme, according to press reports, that he has a habit of showing members of Congress nude photos and videos of women with whom he says he's had sex. Uh, that one can miss the way he is. or Yeah, that one can miss the way he is. What are the fuck? By today's standards, a typical Republican, right? Which I don't necessarily agree with that. But in October 2019, during Trump's first impeachment inquiry, Gates led a group of Republican representatives into a secure room at the Capitol to disrupt witness uh, depositions. Gates said that he and the others were trying to prevent an attempt to overturn the results of an American presidential election. When there actually was an attempt to overturn a presidential election with the storming of the Capitol on January 6th, remember? Anyway, Gates speculated on the House floor that the insurrectionists had been masquerading as Trump supporters and, in fact, were members of the violent terrorist group Antifa, which we've also covered that. He voted not to certify Arizona and Pennsylvania's Electoral College results, but then so did more than 120 other congressional Republicans, including the House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Or Minority Leader, I'm sorry. In the current political mill of money and Trumpism, many senior Republicans give the impression that they have all but stopped caring about whom they are dealing with. In Firebrand, a book that Gates published last year, he recounts how the how he petitioned McCarthy to put him on the Armed Services Committee. He claims that McCarthy asked if he could raise $75,000 in the next 10 days for the National Republican Congressional Committee. After consulting with some Florida supporters, Gates writes that he delivered $150,000, twice as, you know, twice the amount. Uh, he got the Armed Services seat and one on the Judiciary Committee. He's also a member of the Congressional Blockchain Caucus. McCarthy has said that Gates would lose those assignments if the allegations against him are borne out. The House Ethics Committee is now invest in investigation too. So the whole – or investigating it also. So the whole thing is is that the Republicans, in case you guys aren't able to like make through my fucking irate gibberish right now, the Republicans are like, well – if it's true, he'll lose every committee seat and blah, 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 and we'll come down with fire and brimstone. But if it's false, then fuck you Democrats. Almost like, you know, he's our boy until he's not our boy because the way that the American ju judicial system is supposed to work is that you're innocent until proven guilty, right? Right. Everybody gets their day in court type of thing. So Gates, meanwhile, has assorted that the allegations were uh, concocted in an attempt to extort $25 million from him and his father, a former president of the Florida Senate, who became rich from a chain of hospices, which, that is a sad sentence, isn't it? Became rich from a chain of hospices. If you don't, if you don't know what a hospice is, that's essentially where people are like ready to check out. That's where they go to be made comfortable before they pass away. And to get rich off of that, I mean, it's capitalism. That's legal, obviously, but it's just a very sad sentence. Uh, the Gateses were apparently approached earlier this year by two men trying to get funding for a freelance operation to locate Robert Levinson, a former FBI agent, who in 2007 disappeared while on a CIA mission in Iran. It's a bizarre vignette 
and as it occurred after the federal investigation was well underway, hardly clears up the matter. More broadly, Gates, in an op-ed in the Washington Examiner, said that he was targeted after he took on the establishment, the FBI, the Biden Justice Department, the, Ch- uh, the Cheney political dynasty, even the Justice Department under Trump, Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, voted to impeach Trump in January. Two weeks later, Gates held an anti-Cheney rally in Cheyenne and told the crowd, we are in a battle for the soul of the Republican Party and I intend to win it. So maybe he will, or maybe if he is brought down in the scandal, that battle will be won by another of the growing cast of deep state uh, decrying Republicans. Not all of them will face questions, as Gates does, about a reported trip to the Bahamas with a hand surgeon who is also a marijuana entrepreneur and a former Orlando airport board member, a trip that allegedly involved paid escorts, uh, a further aspect of the Florida mess. Um, They might instead be among the representatives who pushed past metal detectors in the House after January 6th, outraged that they couldn't enter the floor carrying guns. One person who has come to Gates' defense is Representative Majority Taylor Green. Oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, MTG, of Georgia, who jumps from one conspiracy theory to the next. She tweeted that the allegations are a deep state attack and media smear fest. This past weekend, Green and Gates were the headline speakers at the Conference of Women for America First, a pro-Trump group. I'm not going anywhere, Gates said. They are all waiting for Trumpism's next chapter. So what I got out of this is that they are certainly trying to put him on the chopping block there certainly trying to figure all this shit out um and if it's true fuck him that's what i said on the last when i when we were talking about uh the symbionese liberation army um the fact that these motherfuckers think that they can do whatever the hell it is they want on our dime and they don't face the same justice system that we do they don't you know we (sighs) you cannot deny in this country that there's been a lot of unarmed shootings and it hasn't just been black. It hasn't just been white. It happens all the time. And a lot of these families never get the justice that they're owed or that they deserved. Well, it's almost the same fucking thing. It's a it's a different scenario, but same kind of feeling behind it. Like, we're not getting the justice that we require, that we deserve, with what these fucking politicians are doing to us. I mean, as a whole. As a whole. And it seems like every time that we're getting ready to take down a politician we're getting ready to fucking do something big or we're getting ready to do some real change all of a sudden another racial dynamic comes out and it pits all of us against each other i I, you know not to be too conspiratorial ah fuck it i am i know but i feel like it's it's what they call wagging the dog like it's, it's like hey look over here real quick get mad about this shit burn down your own cities and fight each other you know and it's it's getting to the point where it's working it's 100% working, which is another reason why I really wanted to do uh, cults this year because <sighs> I feel like all of us are just part of one big cult and and kind of leading into our next episode, which we're going to cover Jonestown, I feel like we're all really, really balls deep in that Kool-Aid they want us to drink. So that's the gate story as more comes out uh, i will definitely talk about it because i'm following it i'm pretty interested in it um the next story i'm going to cover is the boulder colorado shooting now i wanted to cover like current events but mass shootings just keep i can't keep up you know and it's people are losing their fucking minds so we have a suspect who is charged with 10 counts of murder in the boulder colorado shooting okay so we're going to get 
really into this, okay? So here's here's some key points, okay? Suspect in hand investigators hunt for a motive in the Boulder shooting. Biden calls for action on gun violence after two mass shootings in a week, which there's been about 26, 27 cents. Um, she thought it might be her last phone call. I just told them I love them across states, the checkboard. So we're going to go into some of the um, victims as well, which I don't think we've ever really done before. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this. Now, Ahmad Al-Alawi Alyssa, a 21-year-old man from a Denver suburb, was charged Tuesday with the killing of 10 people at a grocery store in Colorado. Officials have not yet indicated a motive. So, here we go. Investigators, this is from the New York Times, by the way. Investigators on Tuesday, all right, this is couple Tuesdays ago, obviously. Investigators on Tuesday were trying to determine what motivated a 21-year-old man charged in the shooting at a Boulder, Colorado grocery store to take the lives of 10 people in the second mass shooting in the United States in less than a week. The other one is the one that happened in, um, I believe it was Atlanta. It was uh, either Atlanta, yeah, it was either Atlanta or Florida. I want to say maybe Georgia um, with all the um, massage parlor shootings and stuff. We're going to get into that next week, actually. Um, anywho, uh, the gunman was armed with both a military-styled semi-automatic rifle and a pistol when he walked into the King's uh, Superstore on Monday and opened fire, officials said. They identified the suspect who was arrested at the scene as Ahmad Al-Aloui Alyssa, who lived in Arvada, a nearby suburb. He was charged on Tuesday with 10 counts of first-degree murder, which in Colorado carries a penalty of life imprisonment without parole. A police affidavit made public on Tuesday said that last week he bought a Ruger AR-556 semi-automatic pistol, uh, essentially a shortened version of an AR-15 style rifle, which fires the same small caliber high-velocity ammunition first developed for battlefield use. Um, so it shoots 5.56 five, or 2.23. Uh, statements from the police and the charging documents did not make fully clear what models of weapons he used in the attack, and whether the Ruger was one of them. The suspect's identity was previously known to the FBI because he was linked to another individual under investigation by the Bureau, according to law enforcement officials. When he was a senior at Arvada West High School, Mr. Alyssa was convicted in 2018 of misdemeanor assault against another student in a classroom and told the police at the time that it was in retaliation for insults and ethnic taunts, which... Bullying is kind of fucking out of control, too. When I was a kid, bullying was bullying. But now with, with, with uh, social media, they can bully these kids at fucking home. It's, man, it's actually depressing. Uh, I belong to a Facebook group that has a lot of people in my town. I, I mean, 35,000 people from my town connected to it. And they, I just saw a whole slew of parents, you know, asking if, if other parents' kids are getting bullied and how bad it's getting. And it's, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, the fact that they're telling kids at home you should go kill yourself, like, on you can't even get away from it at home. Social media, man. Uh, speaking of which, don't forget to like my Facebook page and Instagram page. But you, you know what I'm saying, though. It's in the wrong hands. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, fellow students recall him as having a fierce temper that would flare in response to setbacks or slights. Mr. Alyssa's brother described him to the Daily Beast hmm, as mentally ill, paranoid, and antisocial. Among the victims of the massacre on Monday was Officer Eric Talley, who was 51 years old when the Boulder Police Department, who had responded to a barrage of 911 calls about the shooting, 
uh, Chief Maris Herald said uh, the authorities identified the nine additional victims as Denny Strong or Denny Stong, 20 years old, Nevin uh, Stanisic, 23, Ricky Olds, 25, uh, Chalana Bartwike, Bartkoyak, sorry, 49, Susan Fountain, 59, Terry Leaker, 51, Kevin Mahoney, 61, Lynn Murray, 62, and Jody Waters, 65. Chief Harold said at a news conference that police officers had run into the King Supers grocery store within minutes of the shooting and had shot at the suspect. No other officers were injured during the response, she said. Um, she also said that Mr. Alyssa was taken to a hospital for treatment of a leg injury. Court records show he was born in Syria in 1999, as did a Facebook page that appeared to belong to the suspect, giving his name as Ahmad Al-Isa. Uh, the page was taken down within an hour of his name being released by the authorities. Michael Daughtry, the Boulder County District Attorney, said the suspect had lived most of his life in the United States. Mr. Alyssa was a wrestler in high school, and the Facebook page listed wrestling and kickboxing as being among his interests, and many of the posts were about martial arts. One in 2019 said simply, hashtag need a girlfriend. Um, and we've, we've said quite a few times on this, on this podcast that... Uh, Nothing is more scary in this country than a flaccid penis. And that seems to be, with every serial killer we've covered, that, that's that been a lot of the issues of flaccid penis. Uh, the shooting came just six days after another gunman's deadly shooting spree at massage parlors in the Atlanta area. Um, flags had barely been raised back to full mass after the tragic shooting in Atlanta that claimed eight lives. And now a tragedy here close to home at a grocery store that could be any of our neighborhood grocery stores, Colorado's Governor Jared Polis said at the news conference. Chief Harold said the coroner's office had identified all the victims and notified their families before 4 a.m. Tuesday. A video streamed live from outside of the grocery store on Monday had appeared to show a suspect handcuffed shirtless and with his right leg appearing to be covered in blood being taken from the building by officers. Employees and shoppers inside the grocery store described a harrowing scene. I thought I was going to die, said Alex uh, Ariano. 35 years old, who was working in the store's meat department when he heard a series of gunshots and saw people running toward an exit. The authorities in Boulder, Colorado, on Tuesday identified the 10 victims of the King Super's grocery store shooting. And we've already covered, you know, unfortunately, all the victims. So I don't want to get too much into detail and tell you a whole, whole lot about it, but I feel like we should know about these people. It's not anymore it's not just numbers on a screen it's happening so often that i feel like if we actually put um faces to the people or actually put you know like humanity behind the people's names so i i just want to go through a few things so ricky olds okay 25 year old who loved the outdoors was a front-end manager at king supers where she had worked for about seven or eight years uh her uncle robert olds was telling <clears throat> the reporters uh, she was a happy-go-lucky young woman who brought life to the family. Uh, the whole family's in shock. Of course, her mom and grandmother, uh, her grandmother who raised her. Um, my mom was her mom, she said. My mom raised her. Uh, veteran police officer Eric Talley. Uh, Eric Talley was an 11-year veteran of the Boulder Police Department, and he was described as heroic by Chief Maris Herald. Uh, the world lost a great soul. Um, Talley's father, Homer Talley, he was a devoted father, seven kids. The youngest was seven and the oldest was 20, and his family was the joy of his life. So a father leaves behind seven kids. 
<sighs> Lynn Murray, who was 62, um, she was a former photo director for several New York City magazines. Um, her and her husband had actually moved from New York in 2002, uh, first to Florida and then to Colorado to raise their two children. Um, he said, I just want her to be remembered as just as this amazing, amazing comet spending 62 years flying across the sky. Um, I, I can go into all of them, but it, it just gets sadder. So these people were of all ages, all walks of life, and they left behind so much, so much love from their families, you know, and it's ridiculous. When these people fly off the fucking handle and go do whatever they think they should be doing in their, in their minds, it's, uh, it's fucked up. It's really fucked up. I don't, they don't take, that's what I'm saying. We need to do something at least to figure out what's going on mentally with these people who are doing this. Why are, why are mass shootings just normal for us now? It's become a state of normalcy. It's almost like, hey, did you hear about that mass shooting? Well, fucking where was it this time? Like, it's, like, you know, we were even kind of half-assed joking at work. Like, you see all the mass shootings that are happening? Yeah, the country's opening back up. It shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't. There's no reason for that shit. But it is happening. So, <sighs> now we're getting into our actual story for the day, which is Spade Cooley, who is the only country singer slash actor slash murderer to have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So he's kind of a, he's what you'd call a triple threat. <laughs> um, murder, he says, the Spade Cooley story. Uh, this was done by Fred Bowles. Um, and I, I looked all over for Fred Bowles to try and find his actual audio, and, and I couldn't. I was looking all over. It says episode 54, according to Dreamtime. And I looked for the Dreamtime podcast, and I couldn't find I couldn't find the story or anything else like that. Um, so I'm not purposely trying to I don't know what the word is plagiarize. Um, so this is done by Fred Bowles, and I'm going to kind of run through a lot of this stuff, and and of course give you my own feedback and everything else like that. But this is the Spade Cooley story, and uh, the Dreamtime podcast that I was able to find was. All about Elvis Presley, I guess. I don't remember exactly who it was. It was it was kind of a weird offshoot. So, Fred Bowles. This this is a pretty good story here. And if he actually, you know, if, if somebody finds it and lets me know, um, I'm not gonna delete it. It's it is what it is. So, anywho, so let us consider the case of one Donald Clyde Cooley, born in 19. Uh, born in 1910 in a tornado cellar in Pack Saddle Creek, Oklahoma. Parents, a mix of Native American and Anglo, so the young Cooley was legally considered a Native American. Taught how to play the fiddle by his daddy by age 25, he was married and living in the golden land of California, arriving as Cooley liked to tell the story with a fiddle under his arm and put a nickel in his pocket, or but a nickel in his pocket. It was in Modesto, California that Donald Clyde Cooley picked up his nickname, drawing a flush three times during an all-night poker game, each time with the same suit over the years. You guessed it, fucking spade, right? So uh, he embellished the story until those hands became three straight spade flushes in a row. 
Uh, the possibility of making even one straight flush is about 13,001, and it'd be more likely that a bolt of lightning would have blasted from a clear night sky and fried Spade right then and there in his chair before he'd pull three straight flushes in a row, especially all the same suit. But maybe it did happen. Once on a hot night in Modesto, California, the kerosene lamp hissing, its lights flickering on the sweaty, tired faces of the men gathered around a table. Men who were trying to ignore the fact that in a few hours they'd be back into their routine of back-breaking labor. But right now, the whiskey, the jokes, the cards are hot, and they're all still reluctant to give up the night. One more hand. Just one more hand. And then watching that kid coolly pulling not one, not two, but three straight flushes in a row, all in spades. Maybe it happened, and maybe Spade used up all the luck that he had in his life during that one night. But if he did use up all his luck, nobody could tell for a while. By the 1930s, Spade was in Los Angeles and playing hot enough on the fiddle that he was picking up regular gigs with the country western bands working the L.A. circuit. One of those bands was the Sons of the Pioneers, whose most famous alumni, or yeah, alumni, Roy Rogers, had moved to a movie career as singing cowboy at Republic Pictures. Someone introduced Cooley to Rogers, and they quickly became fast friends. Spade also bore a slight resemblance to Roy. Both had the same build and same moon face, and soon Cooley was pulling down an extra 17 bucks a week at Rogers' stand-in and stunt double as well as working in the Rogers backup band, the Riders of the Purple Sage, uh, as fiddle player and vocalist. So between those jobs and his other gigs around town, Spade was pulling down a pretty good living. Uh, fame and fortune were right on the horizon, which, man, like, you could just show up, look like a guy, play an instrument, they're like, yeah, fuck it, come on, you can be my stand-in. Like, uh, those must have been the times, especially in the 1930s when everybody else, I mean, it's it's on, I mean, the Great Depression's getting ready to start and everything. I mean, fuck. And you're able to just be entertainment. But I guess at that point, you know, people are probably willing to spend a pretty penny just to be distracted from what they got going on. Uh, the lightning bolt came in the form of Bob Willis and his Texas Playboys, whose arrival in L.A. in the early 40s kicked off a cowboy music craze in the city equivalent to the Beatles' invasion of America some 20-odd years later. The Okies from the Dust Bowl were still in town, and soldier boys from the Midwest and the West were following into the area's military bases. All of them had money in their pockets, and all of them wanted to dance the dances they knew from back home and listen to that old-time music with a new hot swing beat. So Spade was working in a trio at Santa Monica's Venice Pier Ballroom when the cowboy swing music craze hit. The manager thought Cooley had what it took to lead a house band that could capitalize on the new craze and fronted Spade the money to put together an act. Spade, Cooley, and his orchestra would end up drawing in thousands every Saturday night during the 18-month run, making Spade the king of Western swing and eventually landing him into the movies. After leaving the Venice Pier, Spade put together one of the hottest touring Western swing bands in America, including everything from a harpist to an accordionist, along with the more usual guitars and fiddles. Now, side note, I, I, I joke all the time, so, you know, Southwest... And there's, like I said, it's a whole rainbow of cultures. But the majority is we have country boys. You know, we have a lot of country guys, and we have a lot of a lot of Hispanics. Some, a lot of them, you know, from from our neighbors to the south, from Mexico. Now, as much as you hear a lot of these redneck country boys complain about, you know, our Mexican neighbors, um, they are two sides of the same motherfucking coin when it comes to their music, their beer. Like you'll see. Boots, cowboy boots, tight wranglers, cowboy hat, 
buttoned down, probably pearl snap, Wrangler shirt, tucked into their belt, the big old belt buckle. Be 6, 30, 7 o'clock in the fucking morning, and they're sitting on their goddamn patio with their truck doors open because they spent all their money on their truck sound system, along with their nice brand new Ford pickup, right, came with a good sound system, listening to, to their favorite songs, getting just drunk enough to think that they can fucking sing along. And you tell me which fucking group of people I just described because you know it's both. You just swap out Budweiser for a Modelo, Dos Equis, or Corona, or you switch in with a Tecate Light or a Bud Light. It's the same fucking people. Same getup, same style, same everything. Just one might have cow leather and the other one has ostrich leather, but it's the same fucking boots. All the same shit. So anyway, <laughs> uh, at one time, Cooley's accordionist was Milton DeLug, who would later become the co-author of the song Orange Colored Sky, as well as the leader of the Gong Show's house band. Uh, the Spade Cooley Orchestra typically included more than a dozen musicians and a girl singer, Ooh all dressed in flashy cowboy get-ups. Even though most of the members came from places like Milwaukee, Boston, and Brooklyn, Spade hung a Western moniker on every one of them. Uh, Smokey Rogers, the apparently Irish-Mexican Joaquin Murphy, Cactus Soldi, and yodeling blonde bombshell Carolina Cotton, who had been born with the more mundane name of Helen Hagstrom. Which, if you're going for country-Western, I think Helen Hagstrom's kind of, I think that's got a little bit of, get, you know, yeehaw on it. Uh, Spade was now heading into the peak of his career, cutting the first recorded hit, Shame, Shame, Shame on You, which would become his theme song, headlining at the Santa Monica Ballroom and playing sold-out shows up and down the West Coast. In fact, Spade, Cooley, and his orchestra were so popular that they couldn't meet all their bookings. There were rumors Spade had two or three bands on the road simultaneously, all operating under the Spade, Cooley name, some even fronted by uh, pseudo-Spades when the rubes were hick enough for them to get away with it. One story has Spade opening with his orchestra at one gig, then hopping into a taxi for a quick ride across town to do a couple of numbers with another Spade Cooley orchestra while the first band continued on Spadeless. Spade had it all by the late 1940s, an estate and a classy section of Los Angeles, a ranch in the Mojave Desert, and a 56-foot yacht. 100 custom cowboy suits, 50 hats, and three dozen pairs of boots, a string of B-movies, a hit television show with a 75% audience share, and a reported $15 million fucking fortune in the goddamn 1940s. Can you believe that shit? But the string of straight flushes was just about over. Spade had a hot temper, liked to drive his band hard, and had a taste for both booze and ladies who weren't his wife. In 1945, singer Carolina Cotton had split, forming her own band with ex-Cooley sideman Deuce Spriggins. Cooley replaced Carolina with Ella Mae Evans, a 21-year-old clarinet player who, from all reports, couldn't sing worth a fuck. But, hey, she was blonde, cute as a bug, and Spade had the hots for her. Uh, the last by itself good enough reason for Ella Mae to get the job, but she wouldn't have it for long. And that's crazy that that's almost how pop culture works now they don't have to sing we got auto-tune you know as long as they're as long as they're adorable we'll put them up there except for adele adele did it right she got up there she had a killer voice she actually brought it and then uh and then lost the weight afterwards and now everybody thinks that she's hot as hell so go her she did it her way like frank sinatra she did it her way and then uh and then lost weight because she wanted to not because they told her to at least that's the hope i'd hate for her to fucking find out later that she was forced into anorexia uh, Spade soon divorced his wife, did the right thing by LMA, and married her, and quickly had her knocked up, and being the good old oaky boy that he was, Spade preferred his wife at home, cooking biscuits and taking care of the young the youngins. 
Uh, Spade also decided that the city life was no place for LMA and his new brood, so he bought a spread at the edge of the Mojave Desert and installed his growing family there. Spade kept the L.A. mansion, leaving LMA alone in the Mojave, sadly uh, serenading the coyotes and prairie dogs with clarinet solos while waiting for the occasional visit from the king of Western Swing. All was not well in the king's kingdom, though. All right, so in the early 1950s, Spade had his first heart attack, perhaps caused by the realization that the Western Swing dance craze was evaporating as quickly as it appeared. And you'll have that, especially early on. You know, swing dance was a big thing, and then it petered out and then came back in the 90s, like the late 90s. Like, you know, I don't know if you guys remember the band Trey Popping Daddies or Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, or there was another one. I'm trying to remember. I think not the Steve Miller band. That's obviously not swing, but there was a swing band who did uh, Jump Jive. God, I can't remember the fucking name of them. But swing came back pretty hard, and there's actually a, a pretty good swing culture here in Arizona, which I know sounds fucking crazy because it's 2021. But I got a couple buddies, actually, like uh, three three brothers, in fact. They're they're all brothers who um, go swing dancing every Tuesday and Saturday. And they've even been in a few music videos. Like, underground swing is coming back, and I fully support that. Swing dance is cool as shit. But everything kind of has an underground... But it is. It's hard. It's hard in the music industry to stay, stay popular. I mean, Taylor Swift had to reimagine herself. Even uh, Kanye West had to reimagine himself, you know. And then you go from gangster rap to like the really cool East Coast storytelling rap. Like I don't know if you guys have ever listened to Most Def, but Most Def is amazing. And then you get into like mumble rap and like it, it you know. And, and you had your for a wife for a while. There was uh what they called getting hyphy with like your you know. Uh, the fuck's his name? E forty. Ooh, you know. And uh, and speaking of which, DMX just passed away, man. Uh, last week. That's uh, Rough Riders, man. Arr, Missy D. So moving on. So in the early nineteen fifties, he had his first heart attack. Uh, so he's not doing too good. Health issues are becoming a problem, and probably with his drinking and his smoking. And everything else. So, in close order, Cooley's record contract expired and wasn't renewed. His movie career dried up, his television show went off the air, and the crowd started to fade away at Cooley's house gig. Uh, Spade walked this way into a new TV show, but his drinking and temper had gotten out of hand by this point. Which, you know, you were just on top, you just lost everything, and you continued to crawl into that bottle, it's gonna happen. You know, you were just a hive highfalutin celebrity and now you're pretty much begging for a spot in a tv show you know so he was he was soon fired because of his actions so spade cut his final record in 1959 and maybe maybe he saw the handwriting on the wall as the b-side of his last single was half-hearted attempt at a rock and roll number and you know 59 going into 60 and stuff like that that's that's when you're getting into that's when you're getting into the beatles um that's when you're getting into uh a lot of, like, Dion and the... Well, maybe Dion and the Belmonts were about 50s. Yeah, about 50s. Um, so anyway, at loose ends, only in his 50s and needing hard cash to keep him. His girlfriends and the Mojave Desert contingent in the style that they were all accustomed to. Spade came up with several bizarro money-making schemes. He fired the Spade Cooley Orchestra and one wholesale massacre, replacing them with an all-girl novelty band. Of course, Spade may have also looked at this as a convenient source of poontang since he was wasted. He wasted no time in taking on one of the new band members and his lover. 
Unfortunately, the Spade Cooley all-girl orchestra proved not to be a popular success, and Cooley soon was searching for some other ways to bring much-needed ducats into the kingdom. Speaking at Kingdoms, the Magic Kingdom, uh, Disneyland, had opened in 1955 and by the 60s was a moneymaker for Uncle Walt. Uh, Spade hit upon the idea of Water Water Wonderland, a water-themed park based in the same area as his Mojave Desert Ranch and catering to the L.A. family willing to take a 50-mile auto trip out to an oasis in the desert. So Cooley bought up another 50 acres around his ranch, acquired some business partners, and started on the development of Water Wonderland. It wasn't a bad idea, and it might have even worked, but Spade wasn't destined for four straight flushes in a row. His string had finally run out. Which, man, that water parks. Fuck, I need to start a water park. That would be fantastic. Especially right now because it's starting to get hot as balls in Arizona. So by the early 1960s, Spade's mental health was noticeably fragile, with one friend later saying that Cooley would have been on heavy-duty antidepressants if he had been living in our more medicated times, which is true. I mean, it's super true. Uh, his condition wasn't helped by the fact that Cooley was insanely jealous when it came to LMA, convinced her life was one round of sex orgies after another out there in the Mojave. Of course, this probably had something to do with the fact that Spade Cooley had been stepping out on LMA since the day they were married, and the story went that old Spade wasn't shy about taking multiple sex partners himself when opportunity arose. So real quick, to get into this type of, since you know it's a profiling podcast, to get into type so if you notice that your spouse is acting overly jealous, um, accusing you of things, um, or just being out and out batshit fucking crazy, chances are they're doing something that they're not supposed to. So whatever, normally whatever it is you're being accused of, chances are they're doing it themselves. So just keep that in mind. I mean, it's not all the time, but even Dr. Phil will tell you that that's something called projecting, where they project their own insecurities and everything else onto you. So, because of their guilt. So, they're either doing something wrong, have done something wrong, or are planning on doing something wrong. Or, maybe you're acting a little bit different and you don't fucking realize it. Maybe there's some stresses going on in your life and you need to open up a proper line of communication. That's how you solve all these problems. Have a proper line of communication with your spouse. It's very important. So, that is my uh, public announcement, I guess. All right. So, with more evidence than two of his new businesses... Uh, partners had some uh, effeminate mannerisms. They were in fact gay. Okay, nothing wrong with that. But this is nineteen early, you know, nineteen sixties. Which honestly, looking back, I think everybody was gay in the sixties. Like you ever really, really think about that? Pay attention to that. Anyway, uh, an investigator discovered many years later, and that they had befriended LMA on one of their trips to Cooley's ranch. Uh, Spade came to the conclusion that they had recruited his wife into what he'd later describe as a free love sex cult, uh, which was happening around that time. We're going to get in a couple of those, too. Um, this was, after all, the very early 60s, and a man of Cooley's generation might be confused about the radical differences between homosexuality, free love, and sex cults. So all Spade knew was that he was certain that they were putting to the pork to his sweet little LMA, and this could not stand. So, tiring of being spied upon and of enduring all-night accusations of her infidelities, LMA filed for divorce. Spade counterfiled, but then changed his mind and asked LMA to take him back. LMA took to the hospital instead. 
where she reportedly informed a nurse who befriended her that the only affair that she had ever had was Spade's one-time mentor and friend, Roy Rogers, and that fling was long over. So listen to that. Roy Rogers getting back in the mix, huh? So even though Spade had dropped his divorce proceedings, he hired a private detective to check up on his wife, as Cooley put it, uh, after LMA was released. Here's the thing. I wanted to talk about Tim Lambesis, not Spade Cooley, but I figured it'd be cool to talk about some old-timey country stuff. And when I found the story, I was really fascinated by Spade Cooley. Um, like I said, Hollywood Walk of Fame, the whole thing. Um, Tim Lambesis, if you don't know, is a lead singer of... Um, Wow, As I Lay Dying. Yeah, the band As I Lay Dying. He did quite a few years in prison because he put a hit out on his wife. Now, fellas, just get divorced. Just go through a divorce lawyer. Get everything split. Do whatever it is you got to do. Don't go the Tim Lambesis route because let me tell you, when you think you're hiring a hitman, you're not. It's always 99.9% of the time it's an FBI agent or undercover cop, and you will go to jail, and then she will get everything anyway. So it's a whole lot easier and a whole lot cheaper and a whole lot more freeing to just do it properly. Or like I said, go get some fucking marriage counseling. Open up lines of communication. You ask this person to marry you for a reason. Like, figure it the fuck out. It's not that difficult. You're two fucking people. Just figure it the fuck out. Talk to each other. And don't hurt the kids. Don't be stupid. All right. So, moving on. Sorry. Um, the PI didn't have to work at it too hard. In a few weeks, Spade called him said his wife was now ready to admit her affairs and put LMA on the line. LMA stated that she had one 30-minute quickie with a man at a local motel providing both a date and the motel's location, but refusing to give her supposed uh, uh, paramour's name. She closed the conversation with the statement that she loves Spade until the day I die. Well, unfortunately, that would be the very next day. Spade showed up at an afternoon meeting on Water Wonderland, drunk and angry, stormed out, and went home to Mojave Desert Estate. What happened then, only Spade and LMA would ever truly know. Their 14-year-old daughter, Melody, walked in at 6.20 p.m. Spade, who had blood spots on his pants, took Melody by the arm and said, Come here, your mother's going to tell you something. He walked his daughter to a bathroom shower where the water was running. LMA lay on the shower floor, already unconscious, possibly already dead. Spade hauled her out by the hair and began kicking and beating the body, using a cigarette to burn it, all in front of Melody, who eventually escaped when Cooley was distracted by a phone call. Spade apparently spent the next four hours alone with LMA's body. His manager, Nurse Dorothy Davis, the one who claimed Ella May had confessed an affair with Roy Rogers to her, and Spade's grown son and daughter-in-law all arrived at the Cooley estate around 11 p.m., eventually convincing Spade to call for an ambulance. But it was too, it was way, way, way much too late. LMA Cooley had died from a rapture aorta, a result of Spade's punching and kicking. He claimed the, uh, to investigators that LMA had fallen in the shower, apparently repeatedly, but had no explanation as to why his hands were so swollen and couldn't close them. The Spade Cooley murder trial would be an early precursor to the Simpson and Robert Blake having all the dramatics, sex, and scandal in both those cases. Cooley would collapse in court during the daughter's testimony. The investigator who Cooley had hired played the tape of LMA's so-called confession, noting that in a follow-up investigation that he could find no evidence that she had ever been at that motel or indeed that she had ever had an affair with anyone. Nurse Dorothy Davis testified about LMA's claim that she had had a uh, short-term fling with Roy Rogers years before. Uh, Davis noted that she had never believed the story, but had no theory about why LMA would have lied. 
So a spokesperson for Roy Rogers termed the story as ridiculous. A week into the trial, Cooley's again collapsed when his five-year-old granddaughter greeted him with a sweet hi, Grandpa. Finally, it was actually Cooley's turn to uh, take the stand. Possibly not the best of decisions from his legal team on the floor, or on, on the other hand, but Cooley had placed not uh, pleaded not guilty by reasons of insanity, and his testimony didn't do anything to cast much doubt on that claim. Uh, Cooley said that on the day of her death, LMA had finally provided him with a lengthy laundry list of her sexual adventures. He said she had admitted her affair with Roy Rogers, who apparently had a weekly date with LMA while Cooley was doing his Saturday night TV show. And then there was the three love sex cult masterminded, Cooley said, by a bunch of, you know, the limp wrist set who were planning on destroying the values of America. Uh, LMA had fallen, Cooley related in the shower. He had heard a horrible thud and rushed into the bathroom to find LMA unconscious. His daughter, Melody, had fantasized her story about Spade beating and burning LMA because she was annoyed that Spade wouldn't allow her to date. And then there was the free love sex cult again. Uh, midway through his account about LMA's accident, Cooley suddenly blurted out, Rockets ran through my brain when LMA told me of her desire to join a free love cult. I must have hurt her terrible. So he fucked up. And after a month-long trial and 19 hours of deliberation, the jury convicted Cooley of murder on August 19, 1961. Cooley withdrew his insanity plea, and the court sentenced him to life, sparing Spade a trip to the gas chamber because of his poor health. So it's kind of like, you're going to die soon anyway. So given that he was a convicted murderer, Spade got off relatively easy, sentenced to Vacaville State Prison rather than the hard time San Quentin where most California murderers ended up. And I wonder if maybe Alcatraz is going on at the same time. Uh, Cooley was a model prisoner, finally admitting in 1965 that he had done the crime and deserved the time. In 1969, Cooley supporters uh, petitioned Governor Ronald Reagan to pardon... Eh? Eh? Ronald Reagan? Um, sorry, to pardon or parole spade. Uh, Reagan wouldn't go for the pardon, but maybe in solidarity with another B-movie actor, did use his influence to buy Spade a favorable decision with the parole board, which unanimously recommended parole for Cooley. Effective February 22nd, 1970, Spade's 60th birthday. But a man who would name himself after three straight flushes in a row shouldn't expect any more luck in this world. Four months before his release, Cooley was granted a furlough to do a benefit concert for the Almeida County Sheriff's Department. Spade played three songs, was greeted by enthusiastic applause, and walked backstage. You know, Cooley said, I wasn't sure whether my fans would want me back, but I think it's going to be okay. I think it's going to work out for me, he continued. I have the feeling that today is the first day of the rest of my life. And he was right. It was also the last day of his life. A minute later, Spade Cooley was dead of a massive heart attack at 59 years of fucking age. How is that for fucking weird poetic justice? So the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce keeps it a close secret about exactly how one ends up with a star on their walk of fame, although the record seems to show that up until about 10 years ago, anyone with five grand, or anyone with five grand had a good chance of buying whoever they wanted a star. So just as long as that person had some connection to the entertainment business. So if you take a stroll down Hollywood Boulevard and stop at 6802, right next to Kevin Costner's name, <laughs> you'll find the name of one Spade Cooley, born Donald Clyde Cooley, movie and television star, king of the Western Swing, and the only convicted murderer to have his own star on the Hollywood fucking Walk of Fame. How crazy is that shit? Now, I will say, though, I don't think murder is anything strange to... Uh, to Hollywood 
um, more conspiracy thought, but I mean, I'm I'm not gonna say I believe in like the adrenochrome or any of that other crazy fucking. Uh, this is all I'll say. But that's the Spade Cooley story. Uh, something cool, something different, something quick, something easy. We are coming back with some uh, big big time episodes, heavy hitter episodes. Like, uh, I mean, the length of how we did the Hillside Stranglers, how we did uh, Richard Chase. Um, two-parters, three-parters. We're going to hit you with that. We are doing Jonestown. And when I say we, my brother-in-law, who's also named Chris, so you're going to be case by case of Chris and Chris, but still profiling pain. Um, <laughs> I just haven't told him that yet. Um, but he's actually going to be hopping on because uh, he's he's gotten really in- interested in this shit, and he watches a shit ton of documentaries. And so he's constantly calling me like, hey, he's got kind of a raspy voice. He's like, hey, man, have, have you seen this? Like, dude, have you seen And he's actually one of the funniest motherfuckers I've ever met. He's super hilarious. He's super smart. He's just a cool dude all around. Like, uh, it's really awesome having him as a brother-in-law. He's the one that got us really into board games. I told you guys before we play a lot of board games. He's the one that kind of got us all into board games. So, but he's a really smart dude. Um, and so, but he lives in Colorado, which is essentially why I picked the Boulder, Colorado one over the Atlanta shooting because I thought he was going to be on this episode but he has his own things going on currently, and I was like, I'm not, I can't wait any longer. Like I've, I've been putting this shit off. I need to fucking buckle down. But uh, me and him will be doing um, Jonestown this weekend, starting off with the same format we used to. It's gonna be the early life leading up to a main key event, and then we leave you hanging, and then we come back and we explain what happened after that key event, and and so on and so forth. And Jonestown is fucking interesting, guys. It's 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 somebody who was so. Man, if you don't know about Jim Jones, we're going to explain how somebody who was so bold and so such a good figure in the community. I mean, he did so much for social issues and civil rights issues. He created the People's Temple. He 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 I mean, he was he was very very he was a big believer in socialism. And we're going to cover a little bit of that and who was, some of his idols were. Um which that might have been a little telling because his list was pretty fucking radical. Um, but he did so much for social issues in his own community, and he did so much um, to help other people in insane ways. And he also sold spider monkeys door to door. And somehow, over after a couple of decades, managed to move an entire group of people to Guyana and kill over 928 people. So it's going to be an interesting story. Um, and I can't wait to actually get into it with you guys and start talking about it. And uh, and, and so back to the Spade Cooley. If there's anything that I missed or if uh, Mr. Ball wants to, or Mr. Bowles, rather, uh, here's this. Um, I loved your story, man. So I just wanted to share it with as many people as I could. So um, I really hope that uh, anything he has audio format actually reaches people. Um, because the way that he described that story was, was really good. I, I ran through a lot of articles and that was, that was the most interesting. So again, uh, hold your, hold your spouses tight, hold your loved ones tight, your kids, love your kids. Um, stay safe. Apparently stay vigilant because this world's losing its goddamn mind. Um, and again, all love, don't have any hate in your heart. Don't do it. It's not worth it, especially because of any minor differences. Um, uh, just like they say on, on Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't know if you guys are following that or not. I'm such a fucking nerd. But uh, one world, one people, you know? I mean, more or less. There are, there are borders, and there's borders for good reasons in some spots and everything else like that, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not like, tear down the borders. I think we should all 
have our own countries and 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 celebrate our individualism but um you know uh proud americans don't shirk other americans you know what i'm saying like no matter where you're from proud people don't don't harm other people just stay proud and uh that's it i'm not gonna lecture you guys anymore um just i'm glad to be doing an episode again and um hopefully you guys fucking react to this one well and on the next episode we're gonna get into some more current events we're gonna like i said we're gonna cover the atlanta thing um we're gonna cover i have a whole list of riots uh not riots i'm sorry mm, protesters i guess is what they're called protesters versus police violence that has happened um recently i've got a lot of cities listed and <laughs> and and the battles that have been raging on and uh we're going to talk about that and where that mind state comes from and then jim jones so we got a lot to cover on the next episode we'll be recording that this weekend and hopefully chris will actually make his appearance and you guys can hear that funny motherfucker and then uh after that we'll just move forward and if you guys have any idea at all on what um I'm always looking for more crimes that have to do with music stars. So if you guys find anything that you want me to cover, or if you want me to go more in depth on Tim Lambesis, I can, because that that's just I'm a metalhead, so I was into that story. But if you guys find some cool shit or someone that I should cover that I I don't even know about, um, hit me up at centartainment at gmail.com. It's always in the show notes. It's always in the show description. You can click that link. Email me anytime. And uh, that's it. Thank you guys. I fucking appreciate you guys still downloading, still listening, still visiting the the Facebook and everything else like that. And you guys are. You guys are definitely giving me my dopamine hit that I that I need to feel good about myself, so I appreciate that. But uh, stay good, you beautiful bastards, and uh, yeah, that's it. Until next time, uh, stay metal, mofos. <laughs>